at the start of a new term, we thought it was really important to spend some time just waiting on the Lord. That's one of the things you've said to us as a church as we make plans for the future. Don't forget to wait on the Lord. So that's what we're doing for the whole of this month. And today we're specifically asking this question as a kind of prayer. Just three words. What next, Lord? So let's just watch a a short video now. Thanks. to Helmsley around the North Yorkshire Moors. And uh, on Sunday at church, we're thinking about a spiritual journey, uh, the Jesus way, which all Christians are called to go on, and specifically asking that question, what next, Lord? What next for me? What's next in my journey in terms of school, university, work, or wherever we are in life? What next, Lord? Come along on Sunday and join us. Every week, usually Friday, a video gets posted on our Facebook page just letting everyone know what's going on at church on Sunday and really encourage you to watch it and then click share so that your contact list can see what's going on at New Life as well. Uh, So that was Filey Bank Holiday Weekend. I have never seen so many people on a beach (laughs) in my life. I didn't know you could get that many people on a beach. So we walked out on the headland and lo and behold, there was the start of the Cleveland Way. And I said to Janet, oh, let's shoot a video. So I've I've been at the start of the Cleveland Way and I've been at the end. So I think that means I've done the Cleveland Way. Is it not just the same all the way in between? Anyway, beautiful countryside. A lovely beach at Filey too. So we start with this question, what next, Lord? And, you know, I'm sure there are young people, as they head out into the world, they kind of know where they're going, but they've also got that question, haven't they? What next, Lord? What's what's it going to be like for me? But it's not just young people, of course. Uh, Out there, I'm sure you have that question in your life as you you go through life at different stages. Uh, Janet and I have that question uh, now because uh, on Friday... Uh, after 41 years in nursing, she uh, stopped working uh, on the Friday. Yeah. She's going to kill me later. <laughs> uh, well, 41 years ago, um, she started out nursing as a wee lassie in Glasgow. And uh, one of her jobs, she moved over to the south side of Glasgow and I got invited to her flat warming party. And uh, she answered the door, and I thought, oh, she's lovely. And it turns out she was. And <laughs> still is. Yeah. Better stop now. <laughs> but, you know, it has been a privilege for me to be married uh, to Janet and just see how she passionately cares for her clients under her care and cares about them and prays for them. I've learned so much. Uh, from her and it's just been a blessing uh, so far and we're now asking that question that many of us are asking all the time what next Lord it's good to wait on the Lord especially when we don't feel like waiting we want solutions to our problems right now we want help in the kitchen we want sermons to drop out of the sky we want sick friends and family to get better and not die. 
There's a family in the Bible who are really close to Jesus. Two sisters and a brother. And they were called Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. They were the same flesh and blood, but very different people too. And very different in the ways that they waited on the Lord. So we're going to listen to their story now. And I want you to have that question in your mind as, as you listen to the, how they each reacted to Jesus. How are they differently waiting on the Lord? I'm just going to invite Claire and Mike to come up now and read to us the story. If you've got your Bibles, get them open. If not, just listen along. Thanks. So we've got two passages to read here, which we're going to do together. So if you're going to follow up in your Bible, if you open the first one, which is Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. So just read the end of that chapter. And then if you go forward to John chapter 11, we're going to read the whole chapter, the death of Lazarus. So if you put your finger in the Bible at John chapter 11, ready to flick forward, then we'll read this together. We're starting then at Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, 
said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into this world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you would always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Amen. Thank you. I've always felt an affinity with this uh, little family. In the few stories that we have in the Gospels about them, 
we can see that they are far from perfect. Mary could have helped a bit more. Martha liked to give you her opinion, whether you wanted her opinion or not. And Lazarus, he didn't say anything. Maybe he was a teenager. He did like to lie about. But perhaps that's not fair. It's just family life. We are all different. And and that's really the most beautiful thing about them. That and the fact that Martha, Mary, and Lazarus loved the Lord Jesus. They loved having him around. They loved serving him. They loved having dinner with him. They loved him and waited on him each in their own way. So uh, this morning, I just want to have a look at their posture, each of them, and how they approached Jesus and waited on Jesus, and look at their posture physically and ask, what does that mean for us, or what does that teach us spiritually as we wait on the Lord? Mary's posture was sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha's posture was facing, and Lazarus was lying down. So let's think about Mary's posture of sitting. Mary loved to sit at Jesus' feet. She was devoted to him. She worshipped at his feet. We see that later on in John chapter 12 when she fell at his feet to pour out her most precious possession, her perfume on on his feet. She worshipped at his feet. She fell at his feet when he arrived to mourn for Lazarus. And she was captivated by his teaching, sitting at his feet. Nothing mattered more to Mary than sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he said. Now, it wasn't that she didn't care about the other stuff. She did. She just cared about Jesus' teaching more. And so she wouldn't budge. Jesus said to Martha when Martha complained, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So what Mary teaches us today, I think, is to examine our priorities and then choose wisely. We may like to kid on that our busyness means that we don't have time for what is most important. But we see from this story that that doesn't wash with Jesus. All sorts of things clamor for our attention. But as human beings made in the image of God, we are blessed with the freedom and the responsibility to choose. The question is, how will we use our God-given freedom? So as we head off into the workplace, university, school, our daily lives, Here's a tip for you. Consciously decide where your priorities lie and then make your decisions accordingly. Okay, decide what your number one priority is and let that direct your decisions. So whatever or whoever is priority number one will direct and govern every other aspect of your life, whether you acknowledge it or not. That's what governs your decisions, your priorities. 
So if you're a follower of Jesus, then that means he is your number one priority. Every other choice you make should be governed by who you are in Christ. Now this could all sound a bit controlling if it wasn't Jesus we're talking about here. Because Jesus is the only one who doesn't seek to control our lives. He's come to set us free. So let's learn to sit at the feet of Jesus with our Bibles open at the Gospels, joining with his disciples, drinking in his teaching so that we can live our lives the Jesus' way. Now, it's not easy at university, for example, or in the workplace. I don't think it's ever been easy for Christians. But that's even more reason than just to sit and wait on the Lord. And learning this good habit will pay dividends for us in our lives. One of the things we hear about at the moment a lot is gender stereotypes and how our genders shouldn't be something that restricts us. And that's right. We shouldn't be restricted in what we can do by our gender, by and large. And it may surprise you to learn that that's what Jesus taught too. The religious rules of Jesus' day didn't allow a woman to learn at the feet of a rabbi. And Jesus was a rabbi. But Jesus wasn't having any of that. He was in the business of setting people free, not restricting them. And so when Martha said, tell Mary to help me, Jesus said, leave her alone. And later in John's Gospel, when Mary is being criticised for pouring out her most expensive perfume on Jesus' feet, he says, leave her alone. Let her be, let her be the person I have made her to be. Mary's story teaches us that if we make Jesus our number one priority, we will be set free to realise all the potential that God has placed inside of us. So don't see your faith in Christ as a restriction. It is the exact opposite of that. If you're leaving Northallerton to go and do something else, choose a church where you feel at home and where you will be encouraged to use the gifts God has given you regardless of your gender. And don't be embarrassed about your faith in Jesus whether that's at university or in the workplace, we're under so much pressure now, people will put you under pressure to change your priorities and tell you that other things are more important. That is not true. And so uh, my advice is ask a question back in that situation. Ask them this question. Have you come across anyone better than Jesus Christ. Anyone more dazzlingly brilliant, anyone with more wisdom, anyone who loves you more, have you met someone that beats Jesus and all of those things? And if the answer is no, then say, well, why don't you follow Jesus too? And for yourself, keep reading the Gospels and ask the Holy Spirit to inspire you with the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Keep sitting at his feet. Make Jesus priority 
number one. And in the process of waiting on him, he will set you free to become all that you were made to be. Be like Mary and sit at Jesus' feet. Then there's Martha. Martha's posture was facing, face to face. You may expect me to say that Martha's posture was serving, and that's true too, but I want to look at Martha from this angle of how she went face to face with Jesus. Martha loved to entertain. She loved to invite people round for dinner, and I bet it was good as well. She loved to show Jesus, in particular, hospitality. And it seems that her home was a a regular retreat spot for him. It's where he, he went to get away from all that was going on around him, where he was just accepted and loved. If I was to guess, I'd say that Martha was the older sibling and head of the household. She was never afraid to speak up and say what she thought was right. And she liked things to be done the right way. Nothing wrong with that. Unless when you start to impose it on other people. She wanted Mary to come and help right away. And she and Mary sent word to Jesus, didn't she? We know that from the text here. To tell him that Lazarus, the one he loved, was sick. In other words, can you come right away, Jesus? We need you now. So when Jesus finally turned up several days later, Martha said to him, if you'd only been here, my my brother wouldn't have died. She wasn't happy. She didn't understand why they'd had to wait in the Lord for so long when he was just down the road in Jerusalem. And so she looked Jesus in the eye and told him so. And Jesus' response is interesting. I think it's significant to notice that he doesn't tell Martha off for questioning his timing. He doesn't apologize either, but he doesn't tell her off. Instead, he enters into a a theological discussion with her about faith and resurrection and the need to wait on the Lord. So Martha knows quite a lot. She already knows that God will give Jesus whatever he asks. I'm sure she's seen that. And she probably heard the stories as well. We also know that she believed in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus presses her to go deeper in her faith. And uh, to help her articulate what the resurrection of Jesus is meant for her right there and then, not just in the future. And so she comes out with this wonderful statement of faith. Yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Jesus is the one they had all been waiting for, the Messiah, and there'd been many false messiahs, and she believed that he was finally the one. He is the Son of God, and he's the Son of Man resurrection power in the body of a human being. What's going to happen next? Martha doesn't know, but she believes and she hopes. And her statement of faith helps her believe and hope 
just a little bit more. And that's why statements of faith we find in Scripture and the church have formulated down through the centuries are, are really important to help us deepen our faith and hold on in the difficult times. So Martha teaches us that it is okay to look Jesus in the face and say, what's going on here? I don't get it. My sister's not pulling her weight. My brother's dead. I believe you're the son of God, but how come you're not making everything right? Can you relate to that? I'm sure you can. Often when we pray and seek God, we do not get the answers we're looking for. That's why it's good sometimes just to stop with the questions and wait and simply trust. Don't worry, Martha, says Jesus. Just keep believing. Just keep looking at the face of the Son and you will see the glory of God. Now, we don't have the privilege that Martha had of seeing Jesus face to face, but we do have these things here. They're called Bibles, and they are packed full of word pictures of Jesus that allow us to catch a glimpse of the glory of the Son of God. Get to know them well. The New Testament and the Old Testament, looking forward to Jesus, is full of them. They will keep you sane and calm when you are waiting for the Lord to do something. And in the process, your faith will grow as you gaze at Jesus. And we see through Martha's eyes that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And he came then, and he is coming back soon. Let's not forget that. And his timing is perfect. And while we wait, he is here with us right now by his Spirit, the Spirit who points to Jesus and says, look at Jesus face to face. He is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. And he came into the world for each of you. Then there's Lazarus. Lazarus' posture was lying down. He engaged with Jesus lying down. He couldn't do anything else because he was dead. That's what it says. Lazarus doesn't utter a single word in the story. He doesn't have a speaking part. You know, if they were making a film of this, the, the star of the film would not want the part of Lazarus. Be easy to remember the lines, but not a lot to say. Lazarus is not an action figure. He is completely passive. We see him reclining all the time at dinner. Later on, after his resurrection, he's still reclining beside <laughs> Jesus. And of course, in his grave, he was basically horizontal. And yet the story is undoubtedly about him. If you look in your Bibles, it'll be entitled The Raising of Lazarus. The Lord speaks to him when he is lying there dead to the world. He hears the voice of God. You know, often we're not in the position to help ourselves. And this makes us uncomfortable. We're taught to be self-sufficient. 
And that's a good thing up to a point. But at some point in life, we just have no control over what is happening to us. And like Lazarus, we aren't able to do anything other than lie there and wait for Jesus to wake us up and set us free. I'm sure this isn't just true for me, but the Lord often speaks to me when I'm lying down. In the middle of the night, that usually is. My guard is down. I'm not doing anything else, not even sleeping. Often, I can't get back to sleep. And there, the Lord has my full attention. And so I finally say to God, okay, go on then. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. There's nothing else to do here. And these often are the moments when I realize that the Lord knows me. He's my friend and he loves me. Just like he loved Lazarus, weeping over the pain and loss of my life and Lazarus' life and your life too. That's how much Jesus Christ knows you and loves you. And that is a wonderful thing to discover. That is the most important thing you can discover in your whole life, that Jesus loves you enough to cry over you and weep over you. And the resurrection of Lazarus symbolizes for all of us our complete dependence on the love of Jesus to set us free. That's what sets us free, the love of Jesus Christ. We all need the voice of the resurrection to say, take off the grave clothes and let him or let her go. So Jesus says to each one of us today, you've been waiting long enough. Wake up. It's time for you to be set free. I am the resurrection and the life, and I love you. It's time to come out. And that phrase means a lot of different things in our culture today. It's time to come out of the closet as a Christian. You know, the Christian church is hiding in the closet, and it's time for us to get out of there and say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm not apologizing for it, and I'm not ashamed of it. Identify yourself with the most persecuted group of people on planet Earth today, the Christian church. It's time to get up and get out and start living your life for Jesus, the Jesus way. Just like Lazarus did, after his resurrection, he was a walking, breathing, miraculous example of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And so can you be too. Just by being who you are and trusting Jesus in everything, people will look at you and see the miraculous transformation God can make in a single life. Some people will hate you for it, for no good reason. But others will look at you and say, if that is what Jesus does for him or for her, I'm in. I believe in Jesus too, because I can see the power of his resurrection. Jesus is calling us today 
and saying, it's time to tear off everything that has bound you up. I want you to start living the resurrection life of my kingdom right here, right now, from today onwards. Sitting at my feet, looking at me face to face and lying down, trusting me day by day, night by night. We take up the posture of the Christian and wait for the Lord to do his miracle work in our lives.